Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we first just want to say thank you for the awesome response we got from last week's episode. We love hearing your feedback and we love questions, so please just keep them coming. We also want to just take a second to commend all you SLP teletherapists out there once again. Seriously, your flexibility and dedication to your clients, especially now, is not going unnoticed. We hope that last week's episode gave you some fresh ideas if you're continuing with, with teletherapy or will help you implement some new ideas as you begin transitioning back maybe into in-person sessions. So today our show is really to support families at home with their little ones since I know we've been home for a while and we're kind of continuing that. Um, And also to give our SLP listeners a solid example of how to educate on language in the home environment. Yeah, so this week we're talking about language development in children, and this is the perfect episode for parents and teachers, and we're super excited about this one. So when I was doing some more in-depth research on this topic, I read that parents that talk as they go through their daily activities and routines, so narrating what they're doing, expose their children to 1,000 to 2,000 words every hour. I know personally, I do this with my son, Henry, who's only nine months old. We love, for, we love going for walks in the park. Um, I do it when I'm making food, folding laundry. It's an amazing way to expose your children to as much language as possible. So today we have six daily activities that we all do that we can use as opportunities to facilitate language at home. And before we dive into this activity or going over all of them, I wanted to focus on a TED Talk, actually, that focuses on this subject. And Claire and I actually watched this one in one of our graduate classes that was specifically on children language development. And the TED Talk is called The Birth of a Word by Deb Roy, and it has over 2.8 million views, which is amazing. The premise is that Deb Roy, who's an MIT researcher, wanted to understand how his infant son was learning language. So he wired up his entire house with video cameras to catch pretty much every single moment, with exceptions, of course, of his son's life. Then he meshed all of the home video footage that he had, which was over 90,000 hours together. Um, The TED Talk video is actually only 18 minutes long, but it's so interesting. And what Deb Roy found was that while he and his wife narrated daily activities, his son began to pick up on the language in those areas. So in early footage of the videos, he hears his son saying, ga, but in later footage of the videos, it slowly turns into water. And that took place in the bathroom where they were narrating bath time. Um, Another important thing to keep in mind for all of these activities is to use what's called parent ease. Um, It's baby talk, pretty much. Some people call it mother ease also, but it's a type of speech where adults talk to children in a very exaggerated and repetitive way. It's the higher pitched 
um, differing intonation speech pattern that everyone does when they talk to babies or pets. Um, so it's awesome. It's engaging for children. They usually are immediately engaged, look at you with eye contact, start cooing and babbling, and really gets them engaged. So let's start with our first activity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our first activity that we want to talk to you about is cooking. So obviously, I think it goes without saying, uh, make sure that you're safe when you're cooking with your little one. Their hands are curious. And I think there's been a lot of times when a child's hand will make their way to the stove or oven and, um, you know, nothing serious happens, but they might get a little burned. So just be careful when you're in the kitchen, obviously, cooking with your child. But this is seriously such a great opportunity for language is when you're in the kitchen. So some, some core words to target. And when I say core words, I, I feel like I say that kind of a lot. When I say that, I mean high frequency words. So these are words that are used all the time in a variety of contexts, not super specific, but kind of used more so um, in your everyday functioning um, and everyday experiences. So some of those that can be used in the kitchen or when you're cooking is more open, done, or all done, or all gone, help, please. Um, there's also some really good actions that you can target. So eat, drink, cook, stir. You could make it into something fun like mash if you're making mashed potatoes or something where you're mashing their food into a puree form or something like that. Um, this is also a great opportunity to introduce new vocabulary, vocabulary words. So as you're describing foods such as, um, you can use colors and textures and shapes I think a big one is teaching your child hot because when they come near the oven or the stove, you want mm -hmm. to make sure they don't go near it. So you put your hand up like a stop sign and teach them that word hot. And you can even teach them that H sound with it. And um, they might learn that before they learn the actual word. So I want to give you a specific example of this. So let's say you're making a sandwich. So you walk to your fridge with your child, either on your hip or at your feet, uh, either way. And you start this kind of activity. And when, again, when I say activity, it's not really a planned activity. It's kind of just you going through the motions, but again, it's that language opportunity. So you start with open door. Maybe you have their little hands, make the sign for open if they're not talking yet. So you hand over hand open with them. Um, and that open sign is just your hands coming together and opening like a book. Then you get things out that you need for the sandwich, naming them as you go. So cheese, turkey, mustard. Again, they might not be old enough to be repeating those words, but they are taking it all in and they're learning those vocabulary words. So it's never too soon to introduce them to words like that. So let your child look and, and feel them and expose them to all of these things. So then you get the bread out of the pantry and you can use the same vocabulary for them to generalize this. So use the same open with their little hands if you're signing. So open door again. Next, you put everything on the sandwich, letting them watch and maybe even letting them help, depending on how old they are. If they are talking already, maybe ask them what each item is as you put it on the sandwich. And then if they're even a little older, have them verbalize each step. So this is called sequencing. 
So you tell them, what do you do first? What do you do next? And you can prompt them by verbalizing to them, now what? And have them almost tell you those steps to make it into an expressive language activity. It's also really fun when you're done doing that to have them go back and say, Mm -hmm. first we did this, then we did this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a really good way, again, to support that expressive language, uh, that sequencing activity. So also make cooking and being in the kitchen fun. You can give your child an empty plastic bowl and spoon. I know my nieces and nephews love to like bang around with Tupperware. I was just going to say this. So Henry has a million awesome toys mm-hmm. and he would rather play with a spoon in a plastic bowl any day mm-hmm. of the week. <laughs> and that's so fun. So, you know, support them with that. So while you're baking, maybe you're making cookies. So you're stirring the batter, give them something to do. So they're doing it with you. Uh, that's also great to practice imitation. You can make noises for different appliances in the kitchen. So the microwave is always a fun one. Cause you can do the beep, beep, beep as you're touching the buttons. And then that mm, like room noise that it makes as it's cooking and kitchen items are great to use for pretend again, and invitate, I'm sorry, imitation of actions. So both of these skills also to note come before speech anyway. So like Rachel said, with her one year, almost one year old, she is doing these things, even though she doesn't expect him to be talking and telling her what these things are yet, but she's practicing so that he'll start to imitate actions first. I also wanted to touch really quick. I literally just came across this Instagram by chance like an hour ago, and I thought it was perfect for what I was talking about. It's called Days with Gray. She has a website and I actually have never come across it before again until today. And I think it's such an awesome resource. She does what she calls breakfast invitations. And what this is, is that you start your day with an activity with your child while you're making breakfast, you almost make this the standard activity for them. Um, And it's a small but effective activity that helps to engage them while you're maybe, maybe cooking their breakfast or making your coffee or just kind of giving a second to yourself. Um, Her post today though, talked about how she took a big white paper. So maybe a white poster or maybe one of those big sheets that come on a roll. And she traced a bunch of kitchen utensils on them. And then the child could either find them around the kitchen and then bring them to like put them in the uh, spaces as like that a big is puzzle. So cute! Yeah, I thought so too. Because again, I never had seen or heard of anyone doing something like that. Yeah. And what an awesome way to use what you're already what you already have. Right. And again, like Rachel was saying, your child may have a million toys, but all they want to do is play with these real things that you're using. Yeah. So give them an activity to do so. So while he was putting them in the spaces, she was maybe giving them a vocabulary word or a function. So what they do, again, there's a lot of different ways to expose your child to new words while you're doing something like that, especially new activity. So I just thought that was so awesome. I wanted to touch on that. Um, and then last thing with the kitchen, getting a pretend kitchen. So one of those play kitchens is also really great. I feel like a lot of people have those. And if you're able to place it kind of near your kitchen so that your child can kind of observe, observe you and then do it themselves in their play kitchen, you'll see so much imitation start while they're doing that. So again, children will not imitate what they haven't seen. They have to be exposed to it. So buying a play kitchen may not be enough. You can't just plop them in their kitchen and expect them to start pretending to stir. They have to see you and watch you and take in all of these concepts. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you mentioned doing the sign for open another sign. Well, actually two that I'm super fond of. I always start my littles out with, um, would be more and all mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. Those are the perfect concepts to work into literally anything, especially yeah. when you're done making whatever food mm -hmm. and you give them little bits at a time and have them request more or have them tell you they're all done. And we can link a YouTube video. There's like a baby sign, good uh, YouTube video. Yeah, that we can for sure. So that you guys can see what we mean by these signs if you're not sure. Yeah, because they're awesome. Toddler mm -hmm. sign is a great resource. Yeah. So the next activity that we have is grocery shopping. I am going to preface this with obviously this activity will be much easier and more enjoyable when COVID isn't a concern, but it is a really amazing opportunity and a real learning experience for children. You can focus on so many different aspects when you're grocery shopping. So I'm going to run through some basic activities that you can do. You can pick a color and locate different fruits, foods. So we're looking for red foods. We're looking for green foods. You can pick a letter like P and search for foods. So here are peanuts, popcorn, pineapple, pizza. When I was a kid, I remember at my grocery store, they had tiny carts for kids to push. Did you ever have that? Yes, we had, I was just going to say we had those, I think at like, it was like a small food store, yes. but yeah, just for kids. And it was like the coolest thing. I felt so special. I so it, Right. I loved going there just for that reason. Yeah. So, um, for your older kids, you can make a small list of five items for your littles to find, make it into a scavenger hunt. Kids love that. But the entire time that you're shopping, the biggest thing that I want to stress again, like Claire said, is really just the importance of narrating everything you do. It's also the perfect opportunity to incorporate basic concepts like size, color, and shape into your conversations. So for example, when you're picking out produce, you can target big and little. Is this apple bigger than that apple? Or you can also phrase it as a question. So which apple is small? Um, another really great idea would be focusing on the concepts more or less. So when you have bunches of grapes or bunches and bananas, which one has more, which one has less. You can even practice concepts like in and out when putting the veggies or fruits into those plastic produce bags. The opportunities are really kind of endless with those basic concepts. So when you get home and you're unloading your groceries, it's also a perfect opportunity to describe them. And as speech-language pathologists, we use this really awesome toolkit um, that's called the Expanding Expressions Toolkit, where the main focus is providing as much detail as you can. We're going to dedicate uh, an entire episode to this, but the basics are that you go through this list. So first, we're going to talk about the group or category. So I know it's a food, but is it a fruit or a vegetable? The next one is do. So what do you do with it? You eat it, you cook it, you cut it up. Um, the next one is the color white stands for where. So where would I find it? Um, how I usually phrase this is, if I didn't have one at home, where would I buy it? Since you're coming home from the grocery store, hopefully the answer is grocery store, but they can also, you can kind of take it a step further. So before the apple gets to the grocery store, where would I find it? Does it grow on a tree, etc.? The next is look like, and the three main focuses of that are color, shape, and size. The next is made of, so that would be a really great way to tie in, you know, the apples grow from trees and first you plant a seed. 
The next section is parts, so the different parts of an apple. It has a stem, it has a core, it has a leaf, it has some seeds. And the last one is what else do I know? So throwing any additional information that you may have. So you can use apples to make applesauce or apple pie, or you can go bobbing for apples, or apples are red and green, etc. Yeah, so I think the, I, sorry, I think the, no, ex, okay. the expanding expression tool is literally so good for yeah. kids of all ages, of all speech disorders, of anything. I yeah. think it's such a good way to support their expressive language skills because an apple isn't just an apple. An apple right. is a fruit. It's red. It's brown. It's hard. It makes a crunch sound. There's so many vocabulary words you can use to describe an apple besides just saying apple. So again, we'll dedicate an entire episode to that, but it's a really good thing to kind of put into perspective, especially parents that just want your kid to say the word. We'll start adding onto it to make it more specific and to start giving them more vocabulary words. Right. And again, if they're not talking, if they have limited verbal, if they're nonverbal, you run through that list by yourself and they're going to hear significantly more words that they would have if you didn't. So we'll be sure to post a little visual on our Facebook page and Instagram account so you can see what I'm talking about with the different colors and um, categories for describing. Another thing you can do is target really simple one to two step directions when you're filling up the cart. You can ask your kids to put the bread next to the eggs or get two apples. And for children that are a little bit older and are working on articulation or letter sounds, it's a perfect opportunity to play I spy and find their sounds in the grocery store and practice and really anything just to make the activity or task you're doing fun. Yeah, definitely. And again, I think that kids, like for me, when I was a little kid, I loved going to the grocery store because I think my mom did make it fun for me and interactive. So it doesn't just have to be you guys are going to the store and trying to find things as quick as you can. Sometimes it will be like that because schedules are crazy. But if you can make this again into a learning experience for them instead of just something you have to do, I think that's so good. So our next is bath time, which I think there are so many fun things you can incorporate into bath time. And this is another one where it's, it's not just a get in, get out activity. I think that there are so many ways that you can incorporate learning in language. So I'll link a couple of my favorites that I found on Amazon, which by the way, I looked around to find like the cheapest options for it because again, I don't think that you need to spend a ton of money, especially on bath toys that are going to be splashed in the water and, you right. know, worn a lot. You don't need to spend a ton of money on that kind of thing. So all of the bath toys that I'll link uh, are $10 or less and they're all on Amazon because that's just where I get everything from. Yeah. <laughs> but again, bath time does not have to be just a short thing where you're just getting in and getting out as quickly as you can. Some of you parents out there also may tell us that your toddler hates bath time. There are kids out there that do not want to take a bath. So this is a chance for you to kind of try some things that we suggest and also maybe look into getting some of the things I link to try and lure your child into the bath and again, make it fun so that it's not like this awful experience that they're just hating, you know, make it a good learning experience for them. 
So some fun activities to try during bath time include water paint markers or crayons. I'm sure you guys have seen those. It does wash right off, but it's really good uh, to practice their fine motor movements as well. They can kind of draw in a safe space and it erases right away. Washing plastic toys. So if you have any of those like plastic animals or plastic fish or whatever you want to throw in there, it's a great time to introduce body parts as you're washing the child's head instruct them, also following directions, instruct them to wash the elephant's head or wash the elephant's feet as you're washing their feet. So kind of getting uh, their awareness of body parts on other things as well as on themselves. And then just keep labeling again, and you can have them label it on themselves afterwards, their body parts. So filling cups and dumping them out, that's a great way to target words, concept words such as in and out, full and empty, and then playing with plastic cars and boats through the water, just doing fun noises with this. So like Rachel was saying from the TED Talk, talking with that, um, that high-pitched kind of fun voice, also adding sounds to that. You know, kids really react when you are making funny and silly sounds. So if you're doing the vroom or splash, so not even doing specific words, but just making fun sounds paired with words so that they're paying attention and they're engaged. You also, like I said, don't need all of these fancy toys. A lot of things you can probably get with toys you already have, or just bring things in that are waterproof. Um, you can use this bath time to target words also such as water, splash, pour, wash, soap, clean. There's so much you can do. Like Rachel said, you can do the more and all done also if they want more time in the bath or if they want more toys, uh, incorporating those core words all the time. So it starts to really generalize for them. This is also a great time to implement songs. So as you're washing and playing in the water, your child is contained for lack of a better word. <laughs> uh, they, they can't get, I mean, they can get out, obviously, you know that, but um, hopefully they're enjoying themselves enough where they're in this space and they're focused on this experience with you. So it's a good time to bring some songs in there and we'll probably talk a lot about songs in a later episode as well, but uh, songs are a great great thing to do for incorporating language and trying to get your little one to speak because they can kind of fill in those words that you're singing and they can start to get the tune and uh, it really helps to get those words to come. Um, for an example, I thought I would give you a baby shark because you're in the water, which I don't even like to mention because it will get in your head as soon as you get started. So yeah. don't even say it, Rachel. <laughs> it's ingrained in my brain forever. Yes. So a huge thing with the bath time is just to be intentional with your words. We don't want it just to be you're washing them in silence and it's a five minute thing where you get in, get out. We want it to be a learning experience, especially the body parts. I think that's something, if nothing else, uh, a really good time to learn those body parts and following directions of that. Yeah. I wanted to add two things onto this. One, I got this really awesome book at our baby shower from someone that is waterproof. Like it's kind of spongy, but has this plastic covering over it. Mm -hmm. And it's called like the frog race or something like that. And it's this story about a frog racing a duck, a fish and a turtle, blah, blah, blah. But it comes with four little, you know, a frog, a duck and a turtle. And they stick to the side of the bathtub. How cute. And they're adorable. Henry's obsessed with pretty much just sticking them in his mouth right now, but 
they're so cute and it has this little story and so things like that are out there too which and as he gets older he can start kind of putting them in the story and some of these toys can last them for years I feel like because you can put them at different levels so that's really cool yeah it's very cool and the other thing I wanted to add was Henry's grandparents uh Nick's parents got him a subscription to highlights hello for christmas and it's basically a magazine or really it's a little book subscription and one comes each month and it targets a different activity each time well the one we just got a couple days ago is all about bath time and they're awesome i seriously look forward to them each month but in the book there are a couple different sections so the first section is story so it talks about a cute little story of bath time. The next one is a science section. So it shows a bunch of different animals taking a bath. The next one is a puzzle. So it's a bath scene and you have to find like the rubber ducky, the sponge, the soap. And then there's also a silly section. So it was um, a pug, actually. I have a pug, if you know me personally. Um, a, yeah, it was a pug <laughs> in a bath with like bubbles everywhere. So that's really awesome, too, if you want to look into that. So that's something, too, that could be a good way to kind of lure your little one into the tub if they're not feeling the whole bath time routine. Yeah. Showing them like, ooh, look, the pug is in the bath. You should get in the bath. You yeah. know, kind of making it an example for them. Like, hey, look at all these fun things that happen in the bath. and using that as a way to kind of motivate them to do that would be a good idea. Yeah, for sure. The next activity that we wanted to go over was laundry. So I'm sure some of you are listening to this thinking that you hate laundry. I'm right there with you. Believe me. I love laundry. I think (laughs) I'm definitely the one percent. Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) I mean, the action of laundry is fine. It's the folding. Oh, I love it. I love sorting it and I love putting it away neatly. And I weekly, weekly, I will probably just dump out all of Alex and I's drawers and just completely refold everything. I I don't know what my problem is. I know it's weird. It's weird. I know. It's fine. Um, It is the perfect activity, though, to make a boring household chore a little, or apparently a very exciting household (laughs) chore for Claire, um, a little bit more fun. So some activities when you're doing laundry include sorting by color. So making a red pile, a blue pile, a gray pile, sorting by types of clothing. So pants, socks, shirts, Hunt for shapes and numbers. Um, This doesn't just include clothing. So look on the washing machine. Um, You can look on the clothing. Look on the tags. Try and find letters. Reading the labels on clothing or if there's any writing on shirts or sweatshirts. Remember these activities, again, don't always have to include back and forth dialogue. And I do this with Henry and he's only babbling. There's still a huge benefit in exposing them to as much language as you can. Remember earlier when I said parents that just narrate everyday activities, even as boring as laundry, expose their children to 1,000 to 2,000 words an hour, which is huge. You can also explore imaginary play and turn the laundry basket into a car, a train, a boat, and that opens a huge amount of vocabulary and exposure to new language. 
and it makes it more fun. That's yeah. such a cool idea to make it like a little car yeah. and do like noises with it. That would make it so fun. Yeah. Or like with the clothes around and you're yeah. in a boat, like going through the water. Or the lava, like yeah. the floor Ooh. is lava and put yeah. the, the clothes around. Listen, so the floor is lava is always a winner. Always. Yes. Yeah. That will never fail. <laughs> so the next is bedtime. And with bedtime, I can't stress enough about there being a routine. I feel like a child that learns his bedtime routine can eventually tell you about it and talk you through it. And the earlier you can kind of get yourself into a bedtime routine, it's also so beneficial for you and for your sanity because your child knows what's coming. They know what to expect. It's not a surprise every night. Like, Oh, we're going to bed. What? You know, it, it, it turns into something that they expect and something that they know is going to happen every night. So it's also a great way to practice following directions and sequencing those activities. So what do we do first? when we're getting ready for bedtime and everyone's is going to look different. So having a bed routine, bedtime routine in place from the time they're little, I think is very, very important. And your bedtime routine is whatever works for you and whatever works for your family in whatever order. So I can't tell you kind of what to do, but there are some things that are a part of everyone's bedtime routine. So let's start with brushing your teeth. So do this with your child, brush your own teeth while they are brushing their teeth if they're old enough to do it by themselves, as models are one of the best teachers. So use simple and short directions as you're modeling this and helping them with this. If they're little and, and you're doing it for them, put on as you put the toothpaste on in mouth, as you place the toothbrush in the mouth and then do some fun, like brush, 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 brush. And you can do some fun noises with that and make silly faces in the mirror as they'll probably be looking at the mirror because they can see themselves and you. So a great way to kind of model those actions in the mirror as well. So then we put on our pajamas. So describe what's on your child's pajamas. Maybe they have some animals. Maybe they have a character. So explain who that character is. Maybe you just watched a TV show on them or ask them to describe if they're at that level where they saw that character or what they look like, things like that. Target words for this for dressing any time really can include buttons, zip, pull on, again, using these short and clear phrases as you describe what you're doing so that they're listening to those vocabulary words. So zip up, head out, feet in, all those things as you're putting their pajamas on with them. So then we read a book, which is, I hope, a part of your bedtime routine because that's super important. And spoiler alert, that's what Rachel's going to be talking about <laughs> next. And then finally, it's time to go to sleep. And hopefully also we sing a song softly together. I think songs, like I said earlier, are great for language. They're also great for calming. So making sure that you dim the lights, you start to sing a song, you use a low and soft voice really calms kids in a way that if you're trying to sing a song and be super happy and silly, they're going to get wound up again and they're not going to go to sleep. So singing songs softly and making the mood very calm, I think will help that bedtime routine. So I've had families say good night to things in their room too. I've suggested that and they said they've loved it. So they'll go around their room and say literally to the objects, good night lamp, night, night books, night, night light night, night door, whatever you have in your, in your room, say good night to it. And that's a great generalization of night, night. That's a lot of times a child's one, one of the first words that they have is that night, night. Cause it's just that verbal sequence that they say every time they go to bed. So they learn that pretty quickly. So that's a great way to incorporate those different vocabulary words with that night, night. I love that. That's so cute. Yeah. 
Um, so our next one is, and our last one is reading a book. So we're going to dedicate an entire episode to just books and all of the amazing things you can do with books for both SLPs and therapy sessions and for parents, teachers, caregivers at home or at school. But I did want to highlight some key points in this episode too. So I'm sure you've all heard that you should read to your children every night, but I seriously cannot stress this enough. It's so important. And when you do this, first of all, you're establishing a routine, which Claire mentioned already is huge. You're also teaching your infants and toddlers the basics of books, so how to hold a book, turning pages. You're also forming a foundation for social skills when you read with different voices, with enthusiasm, using expressive sounds, pointing at pictures, touching and feeling different fabrics. Um, kids love that. I know specifically um, Us Born Books has a series called That's Not My, and we have the That's Not My Koala book. So it says, that's not my koala. His ears are too fluffy and the ears are really fluffy and mm. you can feel them and whatever. So those are super cute. Books also teach toddlers about their world. Again, can't stress that enough. Um, especially the importance of having diverse books and a wide variety of books. Again, we're going to dive deeper into that with an upcoming episode, but I did kind of want to highlight that. Reading also increases children's vocabulary, and eventually they'll have their favorite books and start bringing them to you. The possibilities are really endless, and it's such a perfect way to expose your children to language. Absolutely. We will for sure do an episode on books because I could say so much about yeah. that, and I know Rachel could too because... I like to incorporate them into every single one of my sessions, as we've said already. So that's a really, really good uh, way to support language. Yeah. So that's all our routines, guys. And all of these things can literally be done in one day. So think of how many incredible language opportunities that gives you in just 24 hours. Well, less than because you're not awake for that long in 18 hours or however long you're awake with your child and interacting with them. That's not a very long amount of time for all of this language. So that's so cool to me. And it gets me so excited just thinking about how many opportunities they are. And I hope it gets you excited too, because there are just so many. So I did want to touch really quick on if you have a late talker at home. So you know that your child is not yet reaching their speech and language milestones. Maybe you're already in speech therapy and you know that your child is just late talking. So let's say they are and you're doing all these things we just talked about for your little one and they're still just not giving you the words. I want to give you three pieces of advice and I just want you to try it. And again, you can message us if you're still having difficulties, we'll, we'll kind of work with you and um, hopefully you're in speech therapy already or are seeking out services if you're having this difficulty. But my first piece of advice for you is to not lose faith. Just because your child isn't repeating everything you're saying doesn't mean they aren't learning it. They are. So exposing your child to language in positive environments is everything. And regardless of their level, it's something crucial to do. So like we've said before, even if they aren't repeating it right away, they're still learning and they're listening to you. So don't give up on that because they are being exposed to words and they're learning how to communicate through your example. So don't lose faith in that. 
My second piece of advice is to slow down and shorten your phrases. So I guess two pieces in this part. Slowing down, I know, is hard because our life is fast. You know, as adults, we have a lot going on, especially with children. And I know I definitely am a fast talker by nature, and that's just who I am. And I frequently, even though I work with kids every day, have to remind myself to slow down. Kids are still learning. They're not going to be able to keep up with your super, super, super fast pace. So slow your words down and break it into short phrases. So instead of saying, mommy's going to make you some apples. Doesn't that sound great? Okay. There's some really good words in there. That's fine. But they're only two years old and they don't know all those words yet. And they're not even speaking. So let's just start with want apple or even apple. Yes. Yummy, yummy. Apple. Eat. All the core words are all in there. And you also have the yummy, yummy in there that you can kind of do with infliction and get their attention. That's going to be an attention grabbing word. Um, And then after maybe you take a bite of the apple first and you say nom, 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 like a monster or I don't know, something (laughs) and use that, use that as a funny attention grabber too, to get them to pay attention to the words coming out of your mouth. And Notice that I've taken out the filler words in there. So I'm saying the same things. I've just taken out the filler words because they don't have any concrete meaning to the situation. You're just giving them their core words. So the words that have the most meaning to them that you want them to be able to understand and use. So notice how I also use that fun word to grab their attention. That's super important. I think you should add that, especially for late talkers, so that they're interested in what you're saying and they think it's fun that that sound is coming out of your mouth. My final piece of advice is to maybe break down the amount of words that you're targeting each day. I know that parents get really overwhelmed when their child isn't talking yet because they want their child to catch up to the norm. And this is really scary because especially if you're in speech therapy, you'll get all the information of your child should be talking by this time and your child isn't. So that's overwhelming. And, um, scary. So you want to start giving them all these words so that they catch up, but that might not be the best idea. I actually recommend that you break it down and maybe only target one to three words a day. So this means that on day A, I'm going to target, let's say ball, go, and more. So this means that all day today, I incorporate these words as much as I possibly can into things I'm doing all the time with my child and in different situations so that they're starting to generalize these words. This requires a little bit more planning for sure and work. So contact us if you have any problems or if you need a little bit extra help. I know something that I tell my families is to make like a chart maybe and put it on their refrigerator and identify the words that they are targeting that day or maybe you want to do it by week, whatever works for your family. And it's that constant reminder. You're always going to the fridge. So it's that constant reminder that you're looking at that tells what words that you're trying to target and put in your words and conversation every day. I've also, sorry, I just want to hop in for a second. I've also taken like little tiny pictures of say a ball, a picture of something going and the sign for more. And they have those little strips of magnets that you can like peel the sticker off and stick on and turn those into magnets for the fridge. So both the kids can see them at their eye level and you can see them also as a reminder to keep using them. And they're getting that visual feedback constantly, which is so awesome. So you're not just saying the word to them, but they're seeing it. So that's really, really good, especially if you're exposing them to words uh, like nouns that they can actually see. 
Yeah. So parents of all types of kiddos, regardless of their age, their level, their disability, these activities I hope will help you engage with your child more at home. And we'll link some other really good resources because this is not all there is. There's so much more. And we hope you feel confident in providing that learning environment for them literally every day. Yeah, it's awesome. I keep thinking of other ones we can add on there. So we might have to do a part two. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, there's so many and it's not just activities in the home, but Rachel, when you said like walks in the park with Henry. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just a daily activity that, you know, you're doing for an hour in the day. That's such a good opportunity for language. So there's so many. It's awesome. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. As always, you can find me on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. You can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And we also have a email. It's uh, let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions or want to hear specific topics or- Especially on this episode, guys, yeah. I know that you might have specific questions about your child. So please message us. We will get back with you as soon as we can, um, pretty timely. So please, please message us. We would love to help. Yeah, for sure. So make sure you reach out. And then you can also find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech. That's kindly, K-I-N-D-L-Y. Or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech. LLC. And if anyone in Virginia or Ohio is in need of speech teletherapy, I'm up and running for that. So please contact me at kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com and make sure you check out all of our links that we will also put on this episode. For next week's episode, you guys aren't going to want to miss out. We have a very, very special guest. We're going to be talking about stuttering and we have someone very experienced in the field that's going to be coming on the show as a guest with us. So make sure you tune in for that and we'll give you guys some teasers, you know, as the week goes on to give you some more clues about that. Yeah. We're super excited. So thank you guys again for joining us. You're awesome supporters and we appreciate you so much. Thank you. We'll see you next Taco Tuesday. Bye.